listen up, bitch. I've got something to talk to you about. I've got one of those Vicks VapoRub sticks up my nose like it's a freaking tampon because today is just one of those days. But before we get started, I do need to talk to you about something. I need to talk to you about something that I've been obsessed with lately. If you guys are looking for a new podcast to binge, let me tell you about True Crime Obsessed. And I'm going to be honest, I'm freaking obsessed. True Crime Obsessed is the popular true crime and comedy podcast from the Obsessed Network. And in each episode, the host Patrick Hines and Jillian Pensavale. They recap a popular true crime documentary with humor, heart, and sass. With over 150 episodes available for you to binge right now, you can hear their sassy and hilarious takes on documentaries like Abducted, In Plain Sight, The Ted Bundy Tapes, Dirty John, and The Case Against Adnan Saeed. Though the episodes are hilarious, Patrick and Jillian are not monsters, so the comedy never comes at the expense of the victim or the crime. You know how you like always have so much to say after you're watching a true crime documentary series on Netflix or HBO, Investigation discovery and oxygen will so do Patrick and Jillian. They say everything that you're thinking. They are basically the true crime best friends that you never knew you needed. With over 20,000 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, True Crime Obsessed will be your next podcast obsession. Find True Crime Obsessed wherever you get your podcast and tell them Rotten Mango sent you, Bates. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Spooktober episode. I'm so freaking excited. I honestly feel like Spooktober should be lasting the rest of the year and I feel like with every other episode that we've done this month we've been focusing on all these like really creepy Halloweeny haunted type of concepts so last week's episode was the forbidden meat we talked about cannibals we talked about Albert Fish Catherine Knight Ooh, that one was a good one right she tried to serve her husband her boyfriend to her well you get it you heard it okay well this week's episode is going to be the real life Hunger Games murders this is a wild trip so a couple months ago I came across this guy and people were talking about how he genuinely hunted people not in like your um what do you call it 48 hours type of sense where like the news anchor is like he was hunting women in the streets to kill not like that he would literally hunt people he would bring women into the woods get them a you know a head start and let them run around the woods while he hunts them i binged pretty much every documentary that was available to me i even thought about reading a book that was written about him but then i ended up just like reading through like the first i want to say like 15 pages of google you don't even know what's on the 15th page of a Google search. You don't even want to know. It's just weird stuff. And so I read through every single little article, credible or not, that I could find so that I could try to compile this into my brain because what the fork is going on, dude? This is a weird, weird story. And in order to kind of ease you into it, the concept has been around for quite some time. This is probably going to remind you of like The Hunger Games or it's going to remind you of um, a movie that came out this year called The Hunt, which was a highly political movie about a bunch of um I I didn't watch it but I think it's about liberals and right-wing people and they just like fucking hunt each other in the woods I don't know <laughs> I don't know but essentially the concept remains it was people hunting people as sport and not hunting people as cannibals do as in like no I genuinely um want to eat you as flesh but more like literally I'm gonna hunt you because hunting is fun and I want to hunt people so this is the first time I've heard someone like you know people kill for sex they kill for mm -hmm. you know all these reasons but this guy killed for the joy of the like the hunt i think the reason that this one's so weird is because that's something that's synonymous with most serial killers you will hear people especially if you listen to true crime or you watch documentaries you'll hear people being like he did it for the thrill of the hunt or like the stalking he loved to stalk his victims and mm. every situation is kind of made out to be like this serial killer literally is hunting for his prey mm -hmm. 
-hmm. which it does make sense and that is what it is but this is in the most utter literal sense that you can imagine he dead ass got a hunting rifle and was like okay you go first and then i'll come kill you i don't know what that hoo-hoo sound effect was i don't know (laughs) this concept has not been like a new thing this was an old concept there's actually this story this one was written in like the early 1900s and i'm gonna kind of give you like a little bit of a gist of it so there's two people on a yacht and these passengers they see an island and it's called ship trap island and they said like listen anytime there's a sailor you're a sailor whether you're on a yacht or like a tiny little boat the sailors get so uneasy anytime they pass ship trap island Island. there's some sort of like dread there's like this weird superstition with the island that all of these sailors just go missing there like their boat crashes there and then they just go missing and so the two people that are on the yacht one of them is named Whitney and the other one is Rainsford we're just gonna call him Rain right so they're friends and they're actually big game hunters and they're on their way to for a hunting trip in the Amazon River so they're on this little yacht you got the sailors sailing away and they're passing ship trap island and a storm approaches and they get into like this massive conversation about like hey do you think the animal that we hunt for have feelings. And one of them, Whitney, was like, well, I don't think so. I mean, I think this is just the circle of life, you know. And then Rain, he was like, well, I think that they share the same common feeling of fear for their life. Like, there's no way that there's any animal out there that isn't scared for their freaking balls when they're about to die. Like, you kind of know when you're about to die, especially when someone's hunting you, right? So there's got to be a fear of death. And so they kind of have a debate and they settle on the fact that at least both of them are hunters and not the one being hunted. They're like, you know what? Maybe they feel it. Maybe they don't. But we don't give a shit. Right. That was kind of like the conclusion of this thought-provoking discussion it's getting a little bit uncomfortable this they're sailing past this island the sailors are getting uneasy the storm it's like thundering there's like water everywhere it's literally like pirates of the caribbean type of shit and rain he hears three gunshots in the distance so he decides to go out onto like the deck and he investigates further and as he goes closer to the railing he fucking topples over okay this was the 1900s the story's a little weird. So he topples over into the, the roaring storm waters. But instead of dying, um, he just swims to the island. He was like, I'm just going to swim here. And so he swims his way, Michael Phelps that shit, to the island. And he immediately knocks out when he reaches the shore. So he's like safe. He's on the island. The next morning, he wakes up. He's searching for food. He goes into this jungle. There's trees everywhere. There's like sounds of wildlife everywhere. And he finds this large animal that was killed and like empty gun casings nearby so he's like oh my gosh like there must be a hunter then if i can find the hunter then we can talk about it and i can be like hey like i'm just need to stay here until i get rescued and maybe we can eat some of the game that you caught together right so he follows the hunter's footsteps and comes across a giant mansion at the edge of the island and it's got like beautiful cliff views like this is a billionaire's mansion jeffrey epstein and um no but this is so similar to the whole thing it's kind of crazy that's what everyone was saying on reddit they were like wow an island wait this is a fake story right yeah in the 1900s and they're like an island with a mansion with rich people hunting people um yeah it's kind of scary i'm like saying that very lightly because i'm a little scared and so there's two men inside one of them is called Zaraf, and he is the owner of the mansion and he's got his like little handyman whose name is ivan and so they let him into the room and they show him like this room that he can change for dinner like it's just i mean who does that he they're just like please come into my mansion come into my castle please here are some clothes for dinner and he approaches dinner it's in this huge lavish dining hall and they're eating and they're all talking about hunting and they literally get into the conversation about you know what the sport of hunting has now 
become too easy. Like once you are an avid hunter and once you are a proficient hunter, the rest of it is just like, I'm too good at this shit, you know, like I caught so much moose. Like there's no there's no bigger game that we can go after. Like if you've conquered the top of the top, what other animal can you kill really? And so they kind of get into like a oh boo us type of conversation about it. And then the guy is the Roth, the person that owns the mansion. He says, well, lately they've been hunting new animals and these are animals with courage and they're cunning and they have reason. And they're what? Just so, they're just so smart. And so we find out that Rain obviously realizes that he's talking about fucking people. Well, not fucking them, but like people. He's hunting people, okay? Yeah. Maybe he is fucking them. We don't know what's going on in the island, really. And so Rain, and get, he gets engaged. He enraged. I'm like, engaged. <laughs> he gets engaged to Zaraf, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. He gets enraged and he realizes that he's talking about humans. So the guy's like, hey, don't knock it till you try it. I'm actually going hunting tonight. Do you want to come? And he's like, nah, thanks, dude. I'm good. Like, I'm not going to go hunt down other people. And he was like, fine, suit yourself. And he goes to bed in the guest room and the rest of them go hunting. Now, in the middle of the night, he gets woken up by Zaraf, who says, listen, I've been meaning to tell you, hunting for humans has gotten so boring the sailors they're too easy you know they all hide in the same places they all run they all try to reason with me they all try to convince me and they don't some of them don't even run away anymore you know he's saying all this shit and he's like but it'd be different though with you imagine hunting a hunter and mm -hmm. so he goes how about this i'll i'll garter you a deal you know if you survive three days and i'm trying to hunt you during those three days and you survive i'll let you off the island free i'll find you accommodations i'll find you a fucking yacht to sail off the island with i will do that all for you so they feed him they give him some clothes and he makes off into the jungle with just a knife now he cuts these complicated trails through the jungle and climbs up a very tall tree and soon enough zaraf finds him but he lets him go because he wants more of a fight so then he makes a booby trap to kill zaraf but it only ends up wounding wounding the guy so then he's like okay well i'm gonna be back tomorrow all in all he keeps making up these booby traps he literally puts like wooden stakes into the quicksand there's like hound dogs that are following him right uh -huh. and he lasts the three days he manages to make Zaraf believe that he had jumped off the cliff so uh -huh. the dogs circle him he jumps off the cliff and Zaraf goes home disappointed but to his surprise Rain was hiding in the curtain and he attacks Zaraf and Zaraf had mentioned that night that one of them will be sleeping on a comfortable bed while the other one is being eaten by the dogs you know because the other guy Ivan had already been killed and so Rainsford said that that was the best bed he'd ever laid on in his entire life because he hunt he kills her off yeah because he wants to kill people too so it seems like it's a little open-ended but overall yes so mm. like the idea of hunting people has been around for so long and then you've got the hunger games and you've got literally the movie called the hunt and then like technically the purge could be considered mm -hmm. a hunting people for a sport type of game right yeah so that kind of segues into one of alaska's most prolific serial killers that ever existed the man who literally hunted women I don't really want to like step on people's toes because I think that I don't understand lots of different cultures, you know, and especially coming from the South. I know that there's, you know, a lot of things different there than there are from L.A. or California or like anywhere else in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Hunting for me is something that 
is hard for me to understand. But I also see why people enjoy it. So there's a lot of people who think that it's like the full circle of life. So there are a lot of people who will actually use the animal to the fullest extent. Like they follow all the laws. They don't go after like just, what do you call it, trophy game, which is usually why people go and illegally kill lions and stuff like that. They will literally go and hunt overpopulated deer and eat the whole deer, you know? Mm -hmm. And they are very sustainable, I guess you could say, in the way that they do it. Like those types of things are a little bit different. So there's going to be a lot of hunting talk in this episode. I'm not saying I endorse it. I'm just saying I am not educated enough to say something very sternly with my whole fucking chest and be like, this is what I believe. But I'm just saying it's just not something I could ever do. His name is, okay, his name's a very um, interesting one. So his name's Robert Hansen. And there's theories on Reddit about why he's not a more famous serial killer because the premise of all of this, the premise of all of his crimes seems to be so fascinating. But why isn't he a household name like your Ted Bundy's? I mean, he has a victim count that totals up to 17. Like, why is he lesser known than everyone else? Not saying that he deserves, you know, notoriety or anything like that. But a lot of people believe it has to do with the fact that there was another Robert Hansen and his last name was spelled with two S's. And he was like a like a traitor to the U.S. government. And it happened around the time, I think the same time. So if you look up Robert Hansen, you have to be, you know, very um, diligent that you're not reading about the traitor. Traitor, like he sold U.S. out? Yeah. So Robert Philip Hansen is a former Federal Bureau of Investigation agent who spied for Soviet and Russian intelligence services against the United States. What if I'm more interested in that story? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Wait, so so they have the same name and you're saying that they're trying to cover this up? No, like everyone was just talking about the other guy more. So when you search like for like Robert Hansen, if you spell it incorrectly or even if you spell it correctly, sometimes you'll get the other dude because that was a much bigger case. Gotcha. You know, and a lot of it had to do with, I mean, there's also controversy about that because this one is about a serial killer who mainly targets sex workers in Alaska during a time where sex work in Alaska will, even to this day, sex work anywhere is just undervalued. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot, right? So Robert Robert Hansen, he was not an Alaska native. He was actually born in Ohio and his dad is this Danish immigrant and he's a baker. So his other name is actually called the Baker Butcher, which kind of adds a lot of more mysteria to this because, I mean, he just he he has a donut shop like he bakes cute shit and he's like, let me give you like hot little dinner rolls. And then he's like, let me go kill people. Like, it's really just a little strange. Mm -hmm. And so his dad, they were Danish immigrants and he was a baker and he had opened up this bakery in Pocahontas, Ohio. Um, It's a small little town. And this was the best fucking bakery in Pocahontas, Ohio. They said, listen, there had never been a bakery with good baked goods in Pocahontas. And so when they came around, we were like, holy forking shit. We love you guys. And so they did really well for themselves. But of course, being like a Danish immigrant and just his personality, the dad, Mr. Hansen, he just was not like a happy-go-lucky type of dad. And he was a really punishing type of dude. He would make Robert hang out we're gonna call him rob he would make rob hang out in the bakery like pretty much all day after school he would have to work in the bakery when he was like i mean child labor laws got nothing on this dude right so he was just like you're coming into the bakery and you're working here and i feel like a lot a lot of immigrants go through that they're <laughs> like yeah we don't know child labor law he would do that for his bakery and he just it's he, not child labor it's just helping the family being yes. a part of contributing yes. for the family yes a family goal. Family, family yes. Family time. Family bonding. Yes. Family chores. 
family chores (laughs) (laughs) and so he learned all of his like baking secrets from his dad like he was a good baker now when he was younger he had a lot of struggles so his first struggle was that he had a stutter he had a really really bad stutter and then the second one was that he had insane severe acne and even when he was arrested for all of these crimes like he was permanently scarred from the acne that he had so it was really really intense and he would say to the police that he looked like a freak and sounded like one so he was constantly made fun of by girls at school and he ended up hating every single girl that had ever walked this earth like he just fucking hated girls because none of them wanted to date him I mean, it's sad, but also he hated girls because none of them wanted to date him. (laughs) So I'm just saying he became like this quiet loner and he also had like lots of daddy issues. So he ended up just practicing hunting and archery. He's like, this is my refuge. Like people are going to be like, hey, you're a loser. And I'm going to be like, no, uh, this weekend I went and I like hunted two deer. This was his way of being like, I'm a man. Like this is what I'm going to do. And there was something about killing the animals that made him a little bit excited. So he's kind of like a serial killer childhood of like he wants to torture and kill animals but he went about it in the more socially acceptable way of hunting versus um i don't know fucking taking your neighbor's cat and just like declawing it you know what i mean so it just was uh people didn't really look too much into it especially because you know it was in pocahontas iowa where a lot of people were already hunting Mm -hmm. and so when he graduates from high school he immediately joins the army and that was his first sexual experience was in the army he was stationed in new york and he found a prostitute in new york city and he said it was utterly the most disappointing thing that he had ever experienced in his life i mean she hopped into the bed for 0.2 seconds and then she hopped out and then charged him for it and you know a lot of people were thinking to themselves it doesn't sound like it was her problem (laughs) but you know if you want to believe that i guess you will believe what you want to believe he said it was just two seconds in bed with a girl and he had to pay for it mm-hmm. and that's when he had this new belief that anyone who pays for prostitutes should be the person in charge because you're the you're the paying customer you're the client after one year he gets discharged from the army and he joins a police academy in pocahontas ohio and he starts working as a drill sergeant so he's just doing all these drills and he meets a younger woman at work at the police academy and he just marries her so like this is very confusing because he ends up getting married twice and building a family life so it seems like I don't know why he just held on to this idea of his hatred for women because he ended up finding nice women who were you know beautiful and they were loving to him and they really genuinely loved him as a person like I don't know why he later would carry on to murder so many people while he has a happy marriage at home wait so so he's doing this while he is married yeah Uh, behind our back and his wife is just decent she is a very nice woman she loves him there was no affairs happening in the house there was nothing like they had a happy marriage so it's just confusing like i could kind of understand maybe if like he tried to date later on still wasn't working like he tried Mm -hmm. to get married it still wasn't working and it just was all going to shit it's kind of different right but Mm -hmm. he was like no i'm still gonna kill people his first crime happened when he was 21 years old he went to the pocahontas county board of education where they have like this giant barn filled with school buses and that's where they house all of like the district school buses and he went out there and he burnt that shit down to the ground he was like i'm so upset he said that school did him wrong the school the high school itself and all of the schools in pocahontas were out to get him like he genuinely believed they were out to get him even though he had graduated and fucking gotten married so he did an arson yeah a massive arson case and 
I mean, this was huge. He was immediately found. He was he told them it was for his high school revenge. And he spent 20 months in jail. And during that period, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder with periodic schizophrenic episodes. And the psychiatrist even labeled him as someone having infantile personality. And what that means is that he was obsessed with getting back at people. Like, that's just what it means. Like, those types of people who, like, you know how kids, sometimes kids have, like, little grudges because they're, like, kids and they don't, they haven't, like, fully developed, which, hence the name, infantile personality. But then when you're an adult, like, typically, you don't really have, yeah, some people have a stronger taste for revenge, but this just means, like, someone could literally step on your foot and you will remember it 20 years down the road. And if you see the opportunity to fucking step on both their feet, you're going to take it. Like, those types of people. <laughs> like not the type of people that's like oh you're sorry like that's fine like they just are like okay. like normal people yeah they're like i'm gonna write this down in my little book and then you're like oh my gosh i think that's why i'm like so scared of talking to people sometimes because you never know who that person is what do you mean you mean like you step on their toe 10 years ago yeah, exactly <laughs> like if i go out and i meet 10 people and i step on all of their toes because i'm a clumsy ass bitch and i don't mean to right yeah. and i apologize to all of them i feel like what are the odds that at least one of them has this type of personality where they're like i'll remember that stephanie sue i'll fucking remember that during his time in jail his wife actually ended up divorcing him and his parents were like you are the biggest fucking disappointment that we have ever seen in our entire lives so they sell their bakery in iowa and they all move to minnesota and that's where he meets his second wife he's getting very beautiful woman to marry him what's your problem dude and i want to be honest i thought about this long and hard and i have decided that one day i'm gonna come up with a website that's called what's your problem dude.com it's like if that domain is available i'm gonna use it and you're gonna put in all of these little things that you're feeling i'm gonna tell you what your problem is you're like listen this bit stepped on my toe 10 years ago and now i'm mad and i'm gonna tell you what your problem is i'm gonna be like you got problems dude and that's gonna be called what's your problem dude.com if you guys are not using squarespace i'm gonna tell you what's good so it's pretty much an all-in-one domains websites online stores and marketing tools you don't know how many people on tiktok that i've seen that's like hey guys i'm gonna start my own small business i don't know where to start squarespace is the place to start so you create a beautiful website and you can actually showcase your work present it all using that squarespace's professional portfolio designs you get to display your projects in customizable galleries and you could even have password protected pages to share private work with clients you can make a blog squarespace makes it easy to even sell products on your website i mean you could sell services you could sell literal products you can customize galleries to display images and videos it's also very easy to promote your business through squarespace because you can do email campaigns you can grow and engage your audience with their email campaigns and you're probably wondering okay like this is amazing like this is exactly what i was needing and this is what i was thinking about during all this time at home i wanted to do this but how does this help me so they already have beautiful templates that are created by world-class designers so that you can create a beautiful and modern website and really put your dream into action you can see it all come together they also have powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online and the ability to customize look and feel settings products and more which is like a few clicks they have analytics that help you grow in real time let's say you've got a question or a concern squarespace has 24 7 award-winning customer support so head to squarespace.com slash rotten for a free trial when you're ready to launch use the offer code 
code ROTTEN to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. But don't choose what's your problem dude.com because I'm going to go look at I'm going to look that up right now. <laughs> so he ends up meeting his second wife, Darla, at Minnesota. And she was, I mean, she's a beautiful woman. During their marriage in the beginning, he started getting arrested for things like petty theft. And when he was asked about it, he just said that he liked the thrill of stealing stuff. I mean, it really had nothing to do with necessity. They didn't need for anything. He just liked that thrill, the adrenaline rush and all of that. They ended up having two kids together. They had a daughter by the name of Christy mm-hmm. and a son by the name of Johnny. And They loved their kids. That's what's so interesting about this case. It's almost like BTK, which his daughter has been really outspoken even to this day. Um, Her dad is a prolific serial killer. That she had an amazing childhood and she loved her dad. Like her dad was like her best friend at one point. Never, never weird. Like he never looked at people weird in public. He never like looked at women like, oh, I can't wait to kill that bitch in public. Like there was nothing in him that she, she couldn't even, at first she thought, people were lying to her but isn't that way more that's way scarier right you're just totally bearing all that psychopathic tendencies inside you can turn on turn off yeah that's so scary but that's kind of how this dude was like rob was so good with his kids especially christy she was like best friend she was daddy's little girl and so she loved her dad there was nothing weird going on in that relationship like he genuinely was known as an upstanding family man Hmm. right so he's really close with his kids he you know thought about teaching them about hunting when they get older and stuff like that and christy and the kids they'll they'll take it so hard later on right so the one weird thing though that you will notice in his marriage is the fact that he had a really warped idea of what a good woman was you know how when you ask people right now like hey honey what's your definition of a good woman good woman yeah i was gonna say like a good girl (laughs) (laughs) like a good female like someone who doesn't talk too much doesn't research true crime up until three in the morning yeah doesn't punch you in her sleep because she had a weird dream Preferably, yeah. Preferably. (laughs) Like, we all have definitions of what a good man or a good woman is, right? But his was fucking weird. So he said that he, the one thing that in his marriage that he wished was that he would get oral sex. Like, he really wanted blowjobs. But, but he would never, under any circumstances, would want his wife to perform oral sex because she was a good woman. Wait, so what's going on? That's like not making sense. (laughs) So he wants a blowjob. Yes. But he would never want his wife to give him a blowjob because that would make her not a good woman. Okay. So he wants another girl to perform blowjobs like a blowjob and the wife should be okay with that i mean she had no idea that he was even thinking about this like i'm sure if he was just a normal dude and sat her down and was like hey have you heard about blowjobs those sound kind of cool i'm sure being the loving wife that she was she was like you know what maybe we'll try something new right but Mm -hmm. he didn't even do that he told he tells the police later that the one issue that he had in his marriage is that he wanted oral sex and he would never under any circumstances would want his wife to perform oral sex because that is so degrading because he wants his wife to be a good woman and like only hmm. nasty women give blowjobs but he's not a good man 
yeah. why the fuck you want your I know. wife to be a good woman See, when you're this, not a good man. Exactly. This one, it was like a head trip. I had to sit there and be like, okay, I'm so confused because usually people, okay, I mean, it was just weird, right? Hmm. So that was like the biggest tiff in their relationship. Now, they decided to move to Anchorage, Alaska and get a clean start because, you know, lots of things were traveling, like happening in their past and they were just kind of traveling around with Rob. And so they said, let's go to Alaska. Nobody freaking knows us in Alaska. And it sounds amazing. Like we're into hunting. There is so much places to hunt in Alaska. Alaska is known to be such a great place to live if you love the outdoors, if you love hunting, or if you love mountains, if you love traveling, if you like camping. But it's also a place to go if you don't want to be seen. Mm. It's also a place to go if, you know, maybe you don't want your crimes to be seen. Because of just how big Alaska is Uh. and how much of it is just wilderness mm. and it's just it's a place where you could really get away with some things i feel is that what you heard that's what i heard mm. i've never personally been i've also heard you know you could do that in texas and new mexico because you got the desert and then you got some weird shit going on in texas not some weird shit but like lots of weird nature going mm. on in texas oh florida swamps i heard you could do some shit what in the marshlands Vegas? i i feel like vegas is (laughs) why are you trying to go to vegas i'm kidding (laughs) yeah maybe nevada i don't know but i heard alaska you could get away with some stuff i've never personally been right so they moved to anchorage alaska and they opened up their own little bakery and they called it hansen's bakery and so it was this cute little life they were well liked by their neighbors he was a family man he got a pilot's license he even bought a plane a tiny little plane and this sounds crazy but it's actually not unusual in alaska especially if you like to hunt so when you hunt from the roads like let's say you drive into the wilderness like let's say you're going to the kanik river right you drive into the wilderness you park your car there's only so much distance that you can do by foot while you're hunting and because these animals are so smart like the big game they're not going to be around the roads because they know humans are there so they're usually out literally in the secluded wilderness so the only way to get to areas like that is by boat or by plane and plane was relatively easier so i think at the time there were maybe like twenty thousand dollars to get one of those like two-seaters that were not really like you can't go a far distance it's just literally for like right there right that is so cool i'm sure it's a lot more expensive now but um around that time he got a tiny little plane and he would fly out to get better game is what they called it so he wanted like big game i'm talking 300 pound animals not just like a deer here and there he would be out there all day he would never see a single soul it just his hunting schedule kind of helped him get away with a lot of things because his family never suspected anything. There would be times where he would literally go out there and just be gone for like days. Mm-hmm. And he could just be like, yeah, I got fucking lost in the woods. And who's to say that didn't happen? Yeah. And one of his favorite places to hunt was the Kinnick River. It was beautiful. He would constantly go there for rabbit hunting and moose hunting. Those were like his two things. And he said it's a hunter's paradise. Now, his second life at the bakery. So people knew that he was a hunter, but at the bakery and by everyone in the community, he was known as a mousy dude. Like that's how people saw him as a mouse. Like he would stutter still and he would be incredibly shy. He what looked is mousy? Like just kind of like, like kind of like, hello. 
like mousy kind of like, like shy, shy in the corner like uh, not an elephant like not a bear in the room like mousy like would you notice his presence if uh, he randomly walked into the room where you were having a conversation with someone probably not right so he was kind of a mousy dude even the police would love to get their donuts and coffee there like the police frequented Hanson's bakery a lot and they got along with Rob because he was just a chill ass dude there was no way anyone could ever suspect that like the police thought the worst he could do is probably skip a red light and he must be drunk to do that because they 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 didn't even think he could do something like that he was so mousy and i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he stuttered which i mean i guess there's so much social stigma against it and especially this was like back then right so a lot of people thought he was weak of course he can't really do anything he can't even you know he hated the word school because that would trigger his stutter a lot. And he mm-hmm. hated school even more because he couldn't say school without getting made fun of. So like he would continue that stutter wow. well into his, you know, older days. Mm-hmm. And Darla, she went to church. This is the wife. So she was a woman of faith. She taught school and she focused on teaching kids with dyslexia. So in Anchorage, Alaska, there really weren't a lot of great schools back then. Right. And she was one of the teachers and people had no idea what to do with kids with special needs. They would be like, what do we do? Like, we don't have a program for this. We don't really have a budget for this, right? And so the principal would just say, just put the kid in Darla's class. You know, a lot of kids who were her student, they were interviewed. And for a lot of documentaries, a lot of them said, I have nothing but good things to say about Darla. Like she was genuinely an amazing teacher. But he hates school and she's a teacher. Yeah. And she was a really good teacher. And maybe that had something to do with it. She was a really sympathetic person. And Mm. maybe she had a lot of love for people because, you know, her husband stutters and maybe she knows the pain that he went through. So maybe she's like, I'm going to help these kids. Right. And so it just was it really seemed like the perfect relationship. Now, let's talk about Marshall. So there's a guy by the name of Marshall, and he was actually approached by Darla. Mm -hmm. And she said, listen, I know you hunt. My husband hunts. He has no friends. Do you guys want to go hunting together? And so they're both hunters. Rob decides to fly him in his plane to go hunting. And again, this is not unusual. And Marshall had a really good time. Like they caught a lot of like game. He was really good. He was really smart. And yeah, he's a little quiet and timid and shy. But he was overall a very generous person. Who, Marshall? No, Rob, the serial oh, killer. So Marshall is yeah, talking about... Like, he's a generous dude. Mm-hmm. And I even saw someone post on Reddit that he knew... That they knew um, Rob Hansen, that they grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Personally. And they said that he's a generous ass dude. Like, you could go into his bakery, and if you're friends with him, he will just, like, give you free hot dinner rolls and, like, just send you on your merry way. And he's just really nice. Because he doesn't care about money and yeah. any of that. And so Marshall was like, wow, this is a nice guy, right? And so he continues to hang out with him. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, one of Marshall's friends comes up to Marshall and is like, hey, I'm just warning you. I I went out to go hunting with Rob. You know how we like hunting because we like the outdoors Mm -hmm. and we like like that circle of life. And we like to, you know, I, I, I can see how this makes sense, right? A lot of hunters say that you don't appreciate meat or food until you've had to take a life. 
Mm. Right. It it sounds like the opposite. It sounds like you're more aggressive. Like you're like, oh, yeah, fuck those animals. I don't care. Right. But a lot of hunters who are genuinely in it for good, I guess they say that you don't appreciate like a burger until you've had to take the life yourself. Mm. Like it's a different type. And then you learn how not to waste meat because you know what that meat is. I see. So, you know, he was saying things like, you know how you and I do it for that reason. Right. Yeah. Well, I think Robert doesn't do it for that. So Marshall's like, what are you talking about? I don't know, dude. I went hunting with him a couple of weeks ago. And I think he just is in it for the thrill of killing things. That's alarming for them. Yeah. So I guess there's different types of hunters, you know. And I think yeah. the ones that we see a lot in media are like the ones that go to like fucking Africa and kill a lion and take a picture with it. And you're like, what the fork, right? But it seems like a lot of people in Anchorage, Alaska, they're not like that. Like they literally hunt for meat and they you know are trying to be as good about the process and so they were kind of alarmed they were Hmm. like okay that is a little bit weird like he seems to enjoy the kill a little too much to give you some insight on anchorage at the time anchorage was going insane so this was during the oil boom so there were so many people who had come out into alaska literally to get some hands on oil like there was so much oil being found so lots of people came out trying to scam their way into oil trying to buy oil trying to buy land that could possibly have oil underneath it like it was a whole shit show and so with money and with all of these things comes a lot of women And that's usually what happens in cities when they're experiencing a boom like this. So 4th Avenue in Anchorage, Alaska was known as like the center of the red light district. And there was just strip club after strip club after massage parlor after massage parlor because you've got all of these guys migrating to Anchorage, Alaska with money and boredom. So then you've got all these other people setting up shop for like, hey, if you're bored, come here, look at my boob, right? And it was, you know, it just was not a good environment. This was not a safe place. This was definitely very rough for women people were sent here to make money for their families or people came here in hopes to try to make any money because maybe they weren't making enough in other cities there was actually lots of organized crime happening so there was this one group where they ran through seattle hawaii and alaska and they would literally go around the country and look for vulnerable girls and they'd say hey you want to make some money let me fly you to alaska we've got an apartment that you can stay in for free you can dance at one of our clubs and that's it you'll make so much money you know all the people are there they would show up in anchorage alaska and it would be like this nasty apartment which is like a mattress on the ground no pillow not even one pillow and they would dance with the clubs that are owned by these dudes who do organized crime and they would every single day that they would dance in the club and stay in that building they would incur debt Because apparently they had signed contracts and these dudes, you know, these dudes with all these like gangsters and all these people who can actually back up what they're doing are saying, well, you stayed here for free and you can't do that. So now you owe us this much for staying at the building. You owe us this much for the stage time. Mm -hmm. And so they were making no money. They were actually losing money and being indebted into organized crime. But like, where could they go? Most of these girls, they didn't have family. They didn't really have anyone who was looking out for them. So Anchorage alaska was like the the go-to it was also kind of a go-to because it was difficult for people to leave you couldn't just save up money for a train ride and try to make it into the next state i mean you're kind of just stuck in alaska if you're there robert was obsessed with this he was so happy he loved looking at prostitutes that was his favorite thing he said that he would drive up and down red light district and just watch them he would watch them walk he would watch them stop and sit and walk 
and just he he said he's never been more excited in his life he said that there was a sexual charge that came with even just watching prostitutes walk in what the and he said that it made him feel masculine and powerful and he said it was like this drug he was like a moth that was drawn to a flame and he couldn't stop going to look at prostitutes and then it would slowly start to increase he would go into the strip clubs he would pay for lap dances he would get aggressive and then most importantly he just wanted to pick up girls and bring them to his house so there's this one time he had picked up a girl and told her, you know, I'm going to bring you to my house. You we agreed upon this price and that's going to be it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she says, OK, so she heads up into his car and they start heading towards an electrical area, which was not his house. Like literally nobody lived here. This was a power plant. So unless you were an electrical worker or a hunter, nobody went to this area. And so she starts getting alarmed. She gets out of the car when he parks and she starts running away and he starts chasing her because that's exactly what he wants. Wait, What was he trying to do? This is what he was trying to do. Oh, he was planning on chasing yeah, her? Yeah, just chasing her. Or she thought that he's just going to kill her? Yeah, but he just wanted to chase her and kill her. This this is the first time he wants to kill someone. Well, there are multiple. See, that's the other thing. We're going to get into it, right? But uh-huh. I'm going to start here. Okay. So he starts chasing her and he grabs her by the hair and she grabs a giant knife out of her purse. She does not play like she knows about her safety, right? So she grabs it out and she starts swinging it around. But this dude is a hunter. So he is able to overpower her and kills her. And Hmm. he buries her in this area. And later when the police asked, like, why did you do that? He said, I would have returned her home if she had listened to what I said. But she didn't. And so I had to kill her. Okay, but what was he? So the police think that he wanted to bring her out there and wanted a bit of a long chase. But she brought out that knife and was like, I'm a fucking kill you, dude. (laughs) And so he ended up killing her. So the MO that he would do is that he would approach prostitutes or strip club dancers and he would say, listen, I'm going to bring you back to my cabin or sometimes it would be his house. And he'd say, "Okay, this is the agreed upon price, right? Two hundred dollars for this activity. Yes. And they would say, yes, they'd get into his car. He would usually take them. Yes. To his house or his cabin where he would assault them he would rape them this was not consensual they did not pay for it like or they were not paid for it you know a lot of the times it was like they would agree upon oral sex or they would agree upon okay just this activity Mm. but he would push it and he would assault them and then sometimes he would keep them you know chained up and then assault them repeatedly and it was they knew they knew that this is not the deal like this is not what they're getting paid to do they don't want to do this and he knows that they know that they've already said that right and then afterwards he would drag them into his tiny little plane that he would have them tied up in. He would fly them into a secluded wait, wait, area. Wait, wait, This is happening after he killed that girl? Yeah. Oh, and he started doing this regularly. Yes. I like see. once a month at least. Oh. Yeah. And so then he would fly them into secluded areas in the woods and he would release them. A lot of the times the girls would be blindfolded. He would release them. They would also most of the times be naked and he would give them a head start and they would start running because, I mean, what else do you do? Yeah. And he would chase them and they'd run some more uh-huh. and then he would chase them. And when he felt like that was enough, he would shoot them. And usually it only took one bullet to the chest because he was that good of a hunter. Oh, my God. 
So he would literally hunt them like wild game. Sometimes he would torture the woman while he was hunting them by hunting them for hours. There was one instance where it lasted over a day. Oh my God. That he just hunted her. I just don't know what the anxiety and the stress of that would be like. But I do know something. I do know that there's a lot of stress in 2020. Okay, 2020 has been a little bit rough. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, I am 24 years old, so I can do this legally. Is the fact that 2020 sometimes has me grabbing for a glass of wine. Okay, it's got me grabbing for maybe two glasses of wine. The presidential debate, I don't even want to talk about it. How many glasses were involved? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And the best part is that recently I've discovered DHM Detox, which is the vitamin for people who like to enjoy their drinks listen to this tens of thousands of people are using dhm detox as their drinking buddy and it's time to start taking care of yourself and thinking about the next day like you can start enjoying that glass of wine or you know maybe it's a crazy weekend and you're like that shot of tequila (laughs) you can start enjoying that and forgetting about the sunday scaries and feeling like garbage their company is built on the words no days wasted the way that it works is that dhm detox uses science to help boost your body natural response to alcohol and break down those toxins so it's made up of natural ingredients antioxidants and vitamins the way that i do it is i just take two capsules after my first couple of drinks and it just goes to work they come in these convenient packets that are easy to use and you can also share them with friends and family while you're celebrating it's just been such a lifesaver listen if i'm getting a glass of wine if i'm getting a shot of tequila you will not see me without my dhm detox and that's a fact dhm detox is a risk free purchase so if you aren't satisfied after taking the product they'll give you your money back it's kind of a no-brainer so at the very least give it a shot (laughs) okay sorry so at the very least uh give it a shot guys or two or three (laughs) okay sorry and get a refund if you don't love it we've got you 20 percent off your order to make it even that much of a no-brainer so just head over to nodayswasted.co slash rotten and use promo code rotten at checkout that's nodayswasted.co so the anchorage police department july 17th of 1980 they get a phone call and they said hey listen you got to come out to eklutna which is like this village in alaska and um i don't know this but what they said is that when they say village it means village like it was a village and there's this place that is usually made just for electricians so it's like this power plant Mm. so electricians go um hunters go but that's about it like the village why why do hunters go go? because there's a lot of game around that area Ah. so like you know or they make it there and eklutna has a lot of like game there so they'll be there Mm. and electrical workers that day had found a body and so the police came and they immediately start digging and when they saw the body they saw what she was wearing and they saw her jewelry and they immediately knew that she was a prostitute because you can kind of tell right Mm -hmm. she had no id she had no missing persons report out for her and they assumed maybe she was a new girl in alaska who had just gotten here and then she faced this type of death Mm -hmm. so she was stabbed to death in the neck which remember we talked about the girl who had wielded that big knife at him yes yes so this was the girl and they had most of her skull so it was easy for them to reconstruct her face and release the image everywhere like a you know 3d done because i mean she had decomposed at that point right and there was still no response like no one they sent it to everyone not even just people in alaska not even just police departments in the area they sent it to everyone and nobody knew who she was Mm -hmm. to this day she has not been named she was a jane doe they actually named her 
Aklutna Annie. And this was just strange because this was a remote area with just power plant employees and hunters. They called other jurisdictions to see, hey, do you guys have any cases similar to this where like it's only accessible in like a hunted area? There's not really civilians going there on a casual daily basis and they die and it's usually a prostitute or a dancer. Like, have you had cases like this? Mm -hmm. And a fellow jurisdiction said, wait, wait, we actually found a body in a shallow grave in a hunting area recently about 150 miles south of you guys right so it's mm. kind of a ways away and it was actually found by highway na- maintenance workers they came and they were like oh my god i think that's a dead body so they call the police the police get there by the time that the police arrive there was a bear gnawing on the victim Whoa. the dead victim and so they were like okay so what do we do a we let the bear finish his business or b we kill the bear like we can't just like the bear is not your dog like you can't be like hey shoe bear go away Uh so the police were like okay kill the bear so they killed the bear wow i guess there are a lot of um wild animals there yeah so i guess it wasn't a situation because he was literally gnawing on the victim that they could be like hey call animal control let's get like a tranquilizer over here you know Uh all they had was like their guns so they were like okay do we let our evidence go and have a bear eat a victim because like imagine the trauma of the families if they found out right right. or do we kill the bear so they killed the bear and they found her wrapped up in a moldy sleeping bag she was a naked female with no id they did find a 223 caliber gunshot wound so there was a 223 caliber shell casing that was nearby and this is weird because this is not a gun that is used to kill people Mm. it's a hunting gun wow you do not need this gun to kill someone who weighs like 200 pounds you need this gun to kill like a 1000 pound moose like you do not need this type of bullet you don't need this type of rifle for just like your day-to-day like i'm just protecting my house type of shit like this is a hunting gun and so they're like okay this is a little bit weird right i mean what are the odds usually even murders in alaska weren't just happening with these hunting rifles they were happening with like maybe a shotgun maybe a handgun a revolver like this is a hunting gun so they're like okay that's a little strange so they bring her body in to be autopsied and her name was joanna messina and she was a prostitute in that area and the last that her friends and her other um, family members had heard from her was that she said that she was going on a date with a guy who had promised to take her on a shopping spree and she never returned there had been no suspects in that case and even after they found her body and they found that gunshot casing still no suspects Mm -hmm. so he doesn't do anything to the body he doesn't hide it He kind of does like a shallow grave, but not really. It's all done very hastily. Mm. It's almost like someone who's so confident. Like it's not a big grave. It's not dug deep. It's just kind of like, oh, let's just like dig a little hole. Yeah, yeah. And then you have a Roxanne Eastland. So she was almost immediately um, reported as a missing person to the police department. And she was also a prostitute. She was 24 years old. And everything about this just kind of matched up with both of these other girls that they had found the bodies for. Mm -hmm. And they were getting about maybe two to three calls every single month about girls that were reported missing. 
And they were all either dancers, prostitutes, working in the red light district. Mm -hmm. And it just was a lot. So some of the police department thought that, you know what, these girls, they're just leaving to go somewhere else. Like maybe they're leaving to go dance somewhere else. Maybe Anchorage was a little bit too rough for them. We get it, right? Maybe they're going back to their hometown. They made their money. Like these are not necessarily families who have put down roots. Like who's to say they didn't just up and leave willingly, voluntarily. And now their friends are just kind of upset that nobody said bye to them. And Maxine, was one of the few female cops in Anchorage at the time. She did not believe that. She was like, you're lying to yourself if you think that's true. Like, you're being dumb. And so she tells her fellow officers, you're an idiota. And she starts gathering information about all the other girls. So she goes out. She talks to the family. She talks to the fellow prostitutes, the friends, all of these people, the workers at the club, the boss, the manager at the club. And she starts gathering information. And the one thing that she was really interested in is that a lot of girls that were working in the red light district in Anchorage, they were wearing a lot of jewelry. And so she was like okay I need to find out what jewelry everyone was wearing so they were like do your friends like wear jewelry and so she would write that down she would take note of that and she made spreadsheets on every single victim is he trying to find is she trying to find common ground yeah she's just trying to find out like are these girls actually going missing or are they you know running away like what's happening you know what's up with the jewelry she just because they all wear jewelry in the red light district right but why does she need to know because it's something to identify girls with so like these naked bodies that were you know being found a lot of them didn't have id but some of them would be wearing jewelry Ah. so she was like that's an easy way for me to be like oh this one is this missing person's right and Mm. so she was like okay let me get all of that information now some of these girls let's talk about susan and sherry so this is a full two years later Two years later, after Johanna's body was found. Okay. So the Anchorage police, I mean, they weren't really working on it. Maxine was kind of working on it. But after two years, it just kind of went cold. There Mm -hmm. was no correlation between the missing girls and the two bodies that were found. There was no way to make sure that all of them were like a part of the same thing happening. There was nothing. So there was a strip club called Good Times. And Susan and Sherry were dancers there. And they were roommates. Now, Sherry, she was blonde. She was sweet. She was a very soft-spoken girl. And she didn't like what she she did she just was trying to make it through each day she was kind of looking for an escape she was living in one of those apartments that the organized crime had done so she was like honestly i can't just like go work for a different club i can't just like leave alaska i don't know what to do with myself right Mm -hmm. and susan she said that one day there was this guy who bought champagne service at the club and was just like trying to ask her out and she started feeling weird about him there was something about him he looked nice he was very sweet but something about him was cold she didn't know what it was it just felt cold and so he kept saying that he had a plane and would love to take her on a date on his plane right and she's like okay i get it like you've got a fucking plane like no thank you right Mm -hmm. and the next day sherry approaches her and is like hey i'm not gonna be home tonight because i have an appointment with that guy that has a plane and she was like no 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 like that guy's creepy sherry you don't want to go on a date with that guy mm-hmm. and sherry was like no i mean i think he's i think he's kind of nice and so he she ends up going on that date and she was never seen again and she, the friend reported it the friend reported it sherry's boyfriend reported it mm-hmm. and they would go to the police every single day almost and they would say if you find sherry she's gonna be wearing an arrowhead necklace that's her favorite thing that's the one thing that she wears never takes it off it's an arrowhead necklace okay you got it and maxine's like okay i got it so then a little bit after that there was a cop by the name of john daly and there were two off-duty police officers i was like hey we're off today why don't we go moose hunting and so they were like okay let's go moose 
ghost hunting. So they go to the Kinnick River and they saw a depression as they were walking, which just means like a like an indent in the ground. So they're walking as they're hunting and they're like, hey, do you see that up there? There's just like an indent in the ground. Like, that's weird. You don't think that's weird? And they're like, that is weird. That's called so- depression. Yeah. And so they walk towards the imprint in the ground and they start seeing like couple pieces of clothing. And they're like, huh, that's weird. And I mean, this person was buried. So they were trying to figure out like, is it like a shirt that was buried or something? And so they lift up a piece of denim and there was definitely skin underneath. Because sometimes when you decompose, like the skin attaches to the clothing. And so they get a bunch of state troopers coming in and they start digging. That's when they dig up a Caucasian female who was blindfolded. She had a gunshot. shot wound to the chest right through the heart but she also had about two more bullet holes in her back but there were no holes in the clothing so it seemed like she was running through naked and then she was clothed afterwards wow they sifted the dirt they found a shell casing you guessed it a 223 caliber mm-hmm. shell casing and they were able to identify her as sherry morrow why did he put the clothes back on them i don't know right that's weird it's inconvenient for him Mm -hmm. why would he do that strange Hmm. and so she was 24 years old she was on the listing she was on the missing list for the girls Mm -hmm. and the interesting thing is that maxine had remembered that her boyfriend kept saying you know she's gonna be wearing an arrowhead necklace but it wasn't found at the crime scene oh that was her yeah but her necklace wasn't on huh so Johanna and Sherry, they were both killed by a gunshot wound, whereas um, Ikletna Annie, she was found by a stabbing, right? So now we have three bodies that are found. Mm-hmm. The two that were found through gunshot wounds, they were able to run the ballistics and it said that the same exact rifle, like not even the same brand, like mm-hmm. the same exact gun had shot both bullets. Wow. So they're like, okay, some shit's going down. So Maxine, the cop in the homicide unit, the one of the few female cops in the Anchorage department, she was like, okay, guys, um, there's a serial killer on the loose and they're targeting sex workers. Got it? Got it? You get it? And everyone was like, we don't get it. And they all just kind of like laughed at her. They were like, what do you mean a serial? You're insane. There's no serial killer in Anchorage. You're saying there's an active serial killer. Oh, serial killer in Anchorage. They just didn't believe her. Most of the cops, her superiors literally laughed in her face and they called her a stupid girl. But there were a couple cops who were on her side and they were like, you know what? I think you're onto something because this is weird. You know, like all of this is just funky circumstances. Yes. It's not girls getting lost in the woods. It's not girls just showing up randomly in the city. It's like all done in such a creepy way. Like it feels like these girls are literally being hunted. None of this is making sense. And so the ones who did listen, they started painting a very bad picture. So if there was a serial killer on the loose who was doing this, that means that all of the girls were brought to an isolated area alive and they were hunted and killed. Like that's what the evidence was showing them. Oh, because like based on the gun wound based on the gun wound and based on the fact that even when you have your own plane there's only a certain amount of places that you can park your plane you know so if the girls were found too deep into the woods where there could be no plane that could park right there that mm. means they were 
running through the woods and they were mm. blindfolded with a hunting rifle oh that was God. you know like yeah. all of it was leading up to the fact that this does not feel okay okay and so they were starting to get really alarmed and they start asking around all the other girls at the nightclubs and like the strip clubs like hey if you guys see any weird clients who keep taking you out on planes or like asking you for some shit let us know mm-hmm. and so they were like okay we'll let you know they actually found a suspect who had requested that girls come out into the wilderness with him and he would take pictures of them they were like oh my gosh that's insane and so they questioned him turns out he actually was a photographer and he was actually paying girls to take them out into the wilderness to do photo shoots and he was in hawaii during the time of some of the murders so he wasn't it so they were like okay are we crazy like this is like a dead end and so that's when sergeant glenn gets involved and he decided to make a task force for this but he worked for the state troopers so the anchorage police department and the state troopers they didn't get along so the state troopers they've got jurisdiction all throughout alaska from what i know right anchorage Mm -hmm. they only have jurisdiction in anchorage Mm -hmm. and so they were never buddy buddies like these two departments were always you know clashing heads they were always getting into arguments and so when maxine found out that sergeant glenn was starting a task force in the state trooper she was like you know what i think i need to work on this case because i've been there since day one Mm -hmm. and her boss absolutely forbid her he said absolutely not you're not working with those fucking state troopers and so she was like, okay, that that's horrendous. So she ends up giving the state troopers all of her information. So they had a Excel spreadsheet of 12 victims, of 12 potential victims, because a lot of them were still missing. All of them were dancers. All of them were slim. They had around the same age. They had light-colored hair. And they all disappeared after a daytime date or appointment with someone. But they don't know who it is. They don't know at who all. it is. Wow. Wait, didn't you say one of the friends was invited by him too? Yeah. But she couldn't describe. Not in a way that could help enough. I see. And so they decide to get some FBI profiling done. So the state troopers send in a whole, like the whole everything, all of their little papers to the FBI. And the FBI profiles him to be an experienced hunter of low self-esteem, history of rejection from women, compelled to keep souvenirs. So they're like, oh my God, the missing arrowhead necklace, right? Uh And that he could have some sort of physical like self-esteem issue whether it could be acne or a deformity somewhere apparent how do they know this exactly that's what i was thinking too like i was like how do they know this from just three bodies that were found and it's not even the body of the killer you know and they even got it down to the possible speech impediment like a stutter why They said that someone who kills like this and possibly someone who wants to hunt women probably experienced it ever since they were young. And in order to experience such hatred for women when you're like in elementary school or middle school, you've got to have something that hinders your relationship with women. So it's got to be something in you. Like it's not just your personality is whack. It's not that you're a psychopath. It's the fact that you probably were not appealing for women. Holy cow. And so they were like, okay, what are the most obvious ones that people get bullied for in high school? Mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. This one was kind of crazy. This case makes me so scared of FBI profiling. Like, I'm like, I could get away with the crime. And then I read this shit and I'm like, I could not get away with the crime. My profile would be possible YouTuber, fucking annoying voice, maybe has a podcast, maybe two annoying ass dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like the they understanding would, uh, they have about every human being yeah. is wow. 
I would just be so scared to even like, okay, imagine if we were single and we went on a date with a profiler. Would uh-huh. you, how could you date someone like that? I don't think I could. But love's blind, you know? Oh, so they'd be like, oh no, you're amazing. You're different. And then they're like dating a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's yes. a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, so they got their FBI profiling down to the T. Mm-hmm. So they start looking at people in the local area that have these characteristics that also possibly have a plane, right? Uh-oh. Or some, like a boat, a ways to get out there. They really, that's how they track him down? Yeah. Profiling? So they start profiling all the local people. And that's when he kind of switches it up. He decides to go, instead of going for prostitutes, because there was a lot of heat on that, he decides to go look for Sunday singles. So this was a dating newspaper and in the Anchorage area. So it was meant for literally singles in Anchorage. And they could get together and they could just hang out, like blind dates. Uh-huh. So his entire family went to spend all of the summer in Europe. So I guess that bakery was bringing in some dough. So his two kids kids and his wife goes to spend the whole summer in Europe and he decides that he needs a female companion so he writes down adventurous male looking for lady willing to put on some jeans join me to find out what's around the next corner <laughs> wait, wait, wait I'm confused he's bringing the person to Europe no, no, his family went. He's alone. Oh, he's alone. Yeah, left. so he has the whole house to himself. And so he said he wanted just a nice, warm friendship. Mm-hmm. And so there was a woman by the name of Karen O'Leary who decided to reach out to him because she was like, you know what? He sounds like my cup of tea. They meet him. They meet at a bar and he tells her about everything about his childhood. And she felt really bad for him about all the bullying that he experienced in his youth. You know, she can hear his stutter a little bit here and there. And so she's like, oh my gosh, like, I feel for you. And so he wanted to take her out on the plane to go to his cabin in the woods, but it was too windy. So the plane literally could not take off. Mm hmm. So they went to his house instead. Now they go to his basement and she said this was like the first couple of red flags. Red flag number one was that immediately when they walked into the house, his own dog went and hid in the closet. So she was like, I mean, how messed up of a person do you have to be that your own dog is scared of you? And so then he brings her down and he's like, "Okay, this is my man cave. And he shows her to the basement, which just was filled with taxidermied moose heads everywhere. Oh, and so boy. she was like, cool. And he was like, obviously too proud of it. He's like, this one's from this. Oh, this one's from this. You know, and this one's from this. Say hello to my little moose over here. And it was just a lot. Now, they were making out. Okay. They're just like making out on the couch. Mm-hmm. And he asked her. Okay. So I just have to give you an idea. So on the ground, there's this bearskin rug and the head was still on it. So it's not just like a bearskin <sighs> rug. It's like you know what i'm talking about and like obviously it's real you know and so he in the middle of making out he pulls away and he goes would you like to make love on the bearskin rug and she said um no and he looked at her and it got really quiet and he kept looking at her and stared at her and she felt like he was like processing some thoughts like that she said no And it was like just minutes of him staring at her. And it was just silent. And then he said, that's okay. And they went back to making out. This comes into play later. This becomes important later. Oh, I thought I thought some weird twist is about to happen. (laughs) No, I mean, it just like. (laughs) Let me make out with this bear head. (laughs) Start making out with the bear head. What in the world? Oh, my God. That would be too good. 
So he just want to sit on the ground with her? Just sit on the rug with her and make out? No, he wanted to make love. Oh, make love. I'm sorry. And she said no. Oh. And he just stared at her. Like as if like he was debating what to do now. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Mm-hmm. And it comes into play because he'll let the police know why he did that later. Why he didn't kill her. Okay. Right? So, come to ya. Can you not do that? <laughs> because she's a good woman. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, this is so fucking sick. So he contemplated, but he thought she's a good woman. Oh my god. So he didn't kill her. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. It's so sick. But you want to know what's not sick? What's not sick? My aunt abilities. Listen, my sister is pregnant for the first time in her entire life, and she's literally about to deliver, okay? And all of her friends have been telling her, hey, we've got some tips. So all of my sister's friends, their parents, and they're all like, listen, Cindy, that's my sister's name. You're going to be the last parent in our group. And like as the last mom in the group, we've got to pass down some knowledge to you. And one of them is Hello Bello, okay? If you have not heard heard of hello bello listen being a parent i can only imagine is just so hard and the one thing that she's really nervous about is diapers she's like i just don't know how i'm gonna do it i don't know how i'm gonna like put on my mask get in the car i have this newborn baby in the car i gotta like hold my baby balance my baby like make sure my baby doesn't fall go into the store buy some diapers but like while i'm buying diapers like my baby's gonna poop in the middle of the store and then she's just gonna freak out so this is a company that's co-founded by Kristen bell and dax shepherd which by the way personally speaking I think they're amazing parents and I love them so much. Anyways, Hello Bello is built on this simple idea that all babies deserve the best. Like, why wouldn't your baby? And which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. So their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun rotating designs. Each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-size product freebie with your first order. Just head on over to hellobello.com slash to build your bundle and hello bella will send you diapers on a cadence that works for you plus the shipping's free and you can cancel anytime there's literally like no gotchas it's literally co-founded by parents for parents it's crazy and you also get their super soft super absorbent and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door so you never have to go through the anxiety that my sister was fearing right now if you go to hellobello.com slash rotten you'll get 25% off your diaper bundle order that's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential diaper mishaps saved okay <laughs> that's hellobello.com slash rotten to start bundling with 25% off your order plus get 15% off any add-ons like vitamins or plant-based wipes don't forget that's hellobello.com slash rotten so the police have no idea about this Karen situation yet because I mean he let her live because she's a good woman so he just let her leave yeah he was just like okay like if you don't want to make love on my bear that's fine I'll take you home and so she was like okay that's a little weird um this was why was he staring at me for so long does he not know that no means no that was weird and so she goes home and the police get a call a little while after and it was a very interesting call they said hey um i think that you guys need to know this but there is a female running completely naked who is handcuffed behind her back down fifth avenue and the guy who was calling was like i was on my way to work she was literally running um 
confusing. And so I decided to pick her up. I dropped her off at a local motel because I had to go to work. And yeah, she's probably at the motel right now. So the police end up going to the motel and they knock on the door and opens the door is Cindy Paulson, who is 17 years old and she was super distraught. So they're talking to her. They're trying to calm her down. And once they realize some shit's going down, right, they take the handcuffs off her and she starts talking and she says that she was working the corner. There was a guy who pulled up in a car, an older gentleman, and he offered offered me $200 for a blowjob. And so I said, okay. And I got into the car and he pulled out a gun. He handcuffed me and he told me that if I do what I, what he says that I won't get hurt. So then he takes me to his basement and he called it his like man cave and he wanted to do her on the bear rug. Hmm. So he raped her on the bearskin rug. And then there was like this room that she was taken into that wasn't the man cave. And there was like this pole in the middle of the room. And he wrapped her chain around it and just like chained her up to that pole. And for the next literal whole night, he would come back and forth and just brutally torture and assault her. And afterwards, he said, you know, because you're so nice and cooperative. I would like to take you to the cabin in the woods and we could just spend the weekend together. Now, Cindy Paulson, who was just so traumatized and only 17 years old, she was smart. She was like, listen, after what you've done to me, after I've seen this room, after I've seen your face and the amount of atrocities that you have committed onto me, she knew that she's not coming back from the cabin in the woods. Like she knew that he's taking her there to kill her. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, okay, sounds good. So she gets into the backseat of his car, like he instructs her to do. And he drives to the local airport area. And it's not like a busy airport. So don't be picturing like LAX. It's like one of those individual small little, you know, Mm -hmm. hangers and so she goes there and he's like hold on i need to go fix up the plane so that i can you know tie you up in the seat and so she says okay sounds good and he's busy with the plane when she realizes it's her chance to get out of the car he had left it unlocked and Mm. so she opens the door she immediately puts her shoes in the car like she takes off her shoes and it's Mm -hmm. like snowing outside okay or something it's like really cold outside i think Uh and she leaves her shoes there and she starts running and he chases after her with the gun but he can't really do that because this is public like he can't really shoot her right now because technically nobody else was there at the time but like it's still a public area right Uh. and so she starts running away a guy in a car stops her puts her in the car drives her to the motel and then he's like i'm late for work so i gotta dip bye right so then he calls the police on his way to work and is like i just saw a girl that was like running down the street and i left her at the motel and so they're like okay do you remember anything about the guy who assaulted you and she said well he had a plane and she was able to go to the airport hangar and point out which plane it was which then they dug into the records and they were like this belongs to robert hansen just like that just like that and they said that he was you know he seemed nice he seemed completely normal and he he had a bit of a stutter so the police were like okay let's look into it and so the police question robert hansen and he immediately denies any involvement he even says the words because they said cindy says that you've raped her and robert hansen goes i don't know who that is i've never seen her in my entire life but what You can rape a prostitute? That's what he said. Oh, my God. 
I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed. So then he's like, nope, I wasn't there. I didn't see her. You know, none of this. None of this is true. The police go down into the basement and there was no physical evidence that Cindy was there, but it was the exact description that Cindy gave them. So the room looked exactly like what Cindy said it looks like, you know. But the fact is that he somehow had friends who gave him an alibi. So the police were like, so you have this alibi that two of your friends have confirmed that they were with you. So you couldn't be assaulting Cindy. Cindy Paulson at the time and it was just weird so the lead investigator he believed he believed Robert he said listen what the likely story of this all is that Cindy jumped the price on him and he refused to pay it Cindy was probably like I'll do it for 200 and she was like okay and then after the fact she was like actually that was 300 huh And he refused to pay. And so nobody even pressured Robert or his friends to see if like their alibi or their lies would fall apart. Literally nothing happened. The lead investigator was like, let's just drop it all. And some of the police people, like the cops, they were kind of pissed. There was a big group that was like, that doesn't make sense. And so a lot of them, they a lot of them risked their own jobs and they put him on 24 hour surveillance. They were like, we're just going to fucking surveil this guy because that's weird. And everything kind of went quiet for a little while. And during this time, the police are also simultaneously trying to look into his background. Mm Mm-hmm. So why is that taking so long, you ask? So his background, the first couple of times that they kept pulling it up, it looked really clean. There was nothing on there, literally no record on there. But this was also the time where all of the criminal records in that area have been in the process of being computerized. So if they weren't entered into the computer. Of course, there would be no record yet. And mm-hmm. it's it's not just happens magically. So there's people literally entering in each record into the database mm-hmm. and his hasn't been entered in yet. So mm-hmm. they had a really dig and they start digging and they start finding some stuff but first we got to talk about paula now paula she was living with her roommate by the name of robin and she was a beautiful funny just kind of wanted to make it and not in the sense of like los angeles i just want to make it but just genuinely just wanted food on the table like she just wanted to make it and she was a dancer she hated it she just wanted to do it for money she had barely been a dancer for like barely a week and that's when she met Robert Hansen and he said that he wanted to take her on a modeling shoot in the woods and she thought that this was super sweet and she thought that this was her chance to go from dancing to maybe possibly a modeling career I mean it sounds better right she was like I don't have to deal with all these creepy people that are just trying to touch me all the time right Mm -hmm. and so she gets there and as he lands the plane he starts handcuffing her and dragging her and he says it's okay don't be alarmed okay And she's like, okay, like what's going on? And he says, we're just going to go into the meat shed and everything's going to be okay. So a meat shed is actually like a communal little shed that everyone, all the hunters in the area used. And it's literally just a shed with this bar in the middle of the shed to hang up your fucking moose that you just killed. And there's like knives in there. And it's just for you to like take some meat off Ah. and stuff. And so he even tells the police that his biggest regret is telling her that it was a meat shed because it really triggered her and she got really scared and she started running. And so he had a killer. He was like, I should have just said cabin. Like he literally was talking to the police and I heard the recording of him being upset at his word choice. You heard his talking? Yeah, because he wanted to assault Mm. her first. I see. But he didn't get to because he said meat shed and she was alarmed. Right, right, right. She's probably picturing being yeah. hang up. And like tortured and yeah. shit. 
Oh my god. And so her roommate had reported her missing. Now that happened and then another body was found. So two hunters that were in the Kinnick River, they were also moose hunting and they found a female who was about maybe like five, six months into the decomposition process, but they also found a two twenty three caliber, the same gun, the same gun casing, everything the same as Sherry and Johanna. And she had also been shot to death in the same way. And this was in a remote hunting area and it was relatively close to sherry so the police are like okay like we're just gonna bring him in right we're just gonna arrest him and we're gonna try to see this out now the judge at the time would not give an arrest warrant because he had alibis for some of the murders or the alleged kidnapping right yeah and so they decided to get in with the friends. So they start questioning the two friends and they're like, dude, it's not good. It's not looking good for you. You want to go to jail for a friend? And the friends come clean and they said that we made up that alibi because we knew that he was with a prostitute and we thought that it would just ruin his marriage. Like that's genuinely what they thought. Wow. Like they were just looking out for him as a bro type of way. Not like a you're a serial killer and I'm going to cover for you. But just genuinely like you've got a wife. Yeah. And so that's when they were like, okay, this is enough to get an arrest warrant. And they also found out about his past offenses. So his first offense happened in Alaska. He tried to abduct a real estate agent. So she was walking down a busy street, not like the red light district, but just a regular street. And she was walking down. She works for a real estate company. And he saw her walking and was like, that is the most beautiful woman that I've ever seen in my life. Now, what does he do? A married man think to himself, wait a second, I'm married. I shouldn't be thinking that. Or second of all, maybe I should just talk to her. Right. He's like, no, I'm going to follow her home. So he found out where she lives. And the next day he shows up with a gun and he's like, hey, get in my car. I'm taking you with me. And all of her roommates are like, uh, we live here too. And so they saw the whole thing go down. They immediately start screaming. They call the police. They give the description. The police catch him and he was arrested. Wow. Now, when he was arrested, everyone was like, you're kind of like a weak dude. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it just that wasn't the intention at all. Like, it just kind of all happened. I don't know what I was thinking. And the police were like, OK, this is a little weird. So he was given a small bail because technically it was assault with a deadly weapon, but it wasn't. There was no like sexual assault. There was no murder. So it wasn't as heavy as offense. So he did get bail. Mm. So he was let out on bail. And that's when Patricia Roberts comes into the police station and she said that she was taken. She's a prostitute that she was taken at gunpoint away from the town about 60 miles away and she was sexually assaulted and he brought her back and now she's here in the police station. And so the police are like, "Okay, you know, that's that's crazy because he's actually literally out on bail right now. Right. When did Patricia show up? While he was out on bail for the real estate lady. Real this estate was, lady was... This was his past. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. Yeah, and so then that's when Robert was brought in again and was like, oh, well, you know that she's a prostitute, right? So she's lying. And the police are like, what? And so he says, okay, why don't we do a deal? So Robert's like, let's do a deal. I will plead guilty for attacking the real estate agent if you drop the charges for Patricia. And the police went with this shitty deal. Now, it was shitty for a number of reasons. First of all, it was a shit deal because, I mean, the jury, they probably would have found him guilty for the assault on Patricia and for the attempted kidnapping of the other real estate lady, right? Mm -hmm. And he would have give, been given like 20 years in prison because mm -hmm. it just happened back to back. I mean, it's this is a, a pattern of behavior. Yeah. But, and so the second thing is that he only got a five-year sentence for it. 
Oh, so he went to jail for five years. Yeah, and that's when he learned his lesson. Always choose your victim wisely, because the police were so easy and quick to drop the charges on Patricia because she was a prostitute. Huh. And he was even quoted to the police saying, "You can do things with prostitutes that you can't do with good women." Wow. And he also was arrested for trying to steal a chainsaw at a local store. So that's when they're like, "Okay, like we've got your old records. You know, we know what you're doing. We know the type of person you are, right? We've got all of this." And they started just arresting him, going through his house. It was, um, it was really bad. So inside of his house. Well, okay, let's talk about the interrogation. They had actually staged the interrogation really well. So at in the beginning, up until recently, up until Cindy Paulson had run away and told the police that it was Robert, Mm -hmm. everyone thought that Robert was like suspect number 12. Like he was on their big suspect chart, but there was like a bunch of people Mm -hmm. on there and he was not one or two or three. Like he was just like all the way down there. Like, yes, all of the things, you know, he is, he fits the FBI profile. He has a plane, but it's not Robert, you know, it's not Donut Dude. And so they were just like, just stick him in at the end just for shits and giggles. So we cover the bases. But instead, they didn't want to show him that. So the entire interrogation room, they fucking HGTV that shit. And they put a stack of folders in the middle with his name written on it all sloppy. They kind of made the folders look dirty as if they'd been, you know, watching him for months and months and months and months. They even had this giant map of Alaska on the back with his house in a circle. And then all of the clubs of the prostitutes circled out and then like the airport circled out. And they had genuine staged the room to make it look like they were only investigating him and him hardcore for years these are tactics yeah that is so fascinating isn't it crazy like they wanted to make it seem like they had so many cards uh, like they knew everything wow but in reality they didn't really didn't know that much yet wow and so at first he comes in and he's like i decline i decline everything i deny this i decline and they're like okay well we're doing a search warrant on your house right now and so the the other police they go to search the house darla the wife was there and the two kids were there and they were horrified wow they had no idea they had no idea and so they searched the entire house and they could not find the room with the pole that Cindy was chained up in. So they're like, what the heck is this? They're in his man cave. Yes, she said that she was assaulted on the bear rug, but then she was taken into another room and she was tied up to a pole. Mm-hmm. And so they're like searching, searching. And he had a hidden wall in his basement. They and it, couldn't find it? They found it. He, and it opened up to a pole in the middle that he, she was chained to and it was a soundproofed room does the wife even know that no. room shit and they went to the attic and you know how in the attic they have the insulation like mm-hmm. it almost looks like fluff right yeah and they're just like there's nothing in the attic right and they keep looking and keep looking and they're like you know what let's peel back some of the insulation so they take down insulation 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 and they see a bag of jewelry and at first they're like that's weird why would they hide jewelry are these like valuable jewelry and they look into it and maxine the female cop was there and she was like that's the fucking arrowhead necklace and so it was like okay these are souvenirs so then they pull back all of the insulation and they also find the rifles the same exact one the murder weapon i mean that you don't get any closer to a conviction than a fucking murder weapon in your attic hidden behind insulation okay and then they go back into his bedroom and behind his headboard on his bed they find something really alarming 
they find a map of Anchorage, Alaska. And this looked like a flight map, which a lot of pilots would have, right? Mm -hmm. And there was lots of pencil markings around the map, which again, lots of pilots would do because, you know, when you're hunting and you're a pilot, you can't, there's no airport. So you land in the designated areas that hunters are known to land in. Mm -hmm. And so there was lots of circled areas. There was 21 exact markings and they brought it into the station and they're looking at it when a trooper walks in and they ask the trooper, wait, where was the first body found again? And he said, you've already got it circled. Oh, my God. And that's God. when they all looked at the trooper and was like, we didn't circle it. Robert Hansen circled all of these. So they're like, this isn't landing spots. These are grave sites. This is a, could not get any more. Movie. <laughs> yeah, like literally everything is just like yeah. right there. Yeah. And the saddest part, though, is that the next couple of days after all of this, Christy, the daughter, she went to school. And one of the girls that went to school with her was actually interviewed. And she said that Christy came into school that day and she was so angry. And she stood out at the front of the class and yelled, shut up, shut up. It's all a lie. So just shut up because everyone knew. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry because everyone knew like they had heard everything because I mean, it's a small town still. And she was just like, shut up. It's all a lie. He didn't do any of it. It's a lie. So just shut up. I don't want to hear it. And she sat down. (sighs) It just breaks your heart. And so he gets sent to jail and. During jail, he's in jail for a couple of months and the police are like, "Okay, we need to work with the prosecutors. We're trying to make sure all of these are grave sites like we need. None of this is still enough to get a serial killer. Like we really need a hardcore confession because most of the time serial killers, they love to confess. Like look at Ted Bundy. Like there are all these like serial killers that like, yeah, I did it. And I did more, too, by the way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like we just need him to confess for some reason. After a couple of months, he comes in and he's like, I need to tell you about everything. Mm -hmm. So they sit him down and they start recording it and they asked him okay like why would you do this why did you choose these victims mm-hmm. and he says well good girls are people who are interested in him and bad girls are girls who are interested in money and oh so he needed God. to kill the prostitutes and that's why he didn't kill karen because she genuinely was very sympathetic towards him and they had met in a completely different setting like that's the weird thing like it's one thing if you start dating And then you find out that she's only with you for the money. Uh, You still don't kill her. But like, I get that that's heartbreaking. But like when you are literally seeking those services and then getting mad that they are charging you for those services, like I don't understand. Right. And so he says that at first he only confessed to the bodies that were found. So you've got the one um, you've got four bodies. So he only confesses to those. And that's when, you know, the police were like, I mean, none of of this makes sense. He does unimaginable behavior. Like, you cannot imagine a human can be this nasty, right? Mm -hmm. But he seems so normal. He seems so nice. Up until the police bring out the map. Mm. And they said, we know each of these is a dead body. Mm -hmm. So you might as well start telling us. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when they said that he turned into like a completely different person. His voice dead ass dropped several octaves lower. And instead of being like, anyways, a good girl or people that are interested in me, you know, mm-hmm. bad girls are the ones that are interested in money. He said things like those dirty fucking whores. Oh, my God. Like gosh. he just dropped his whole thing. Like they were so shocked. And they were like, that's the person that's capable of killing. Because right. they were still so confused. They were like, this guy's so soft. 
he's a little soft boy, right? What the heck was that? Yeah, that's when he gets angry. That's who he turns into, it seems. Hmm. And so he told the story of each ex after ex and confessed to 17 victims that were murdered and 30 assaults of girls he let go because he didn't feel like they were in it for the money. 30? He had assaulted 30 different prostitutes that he let go instead of killing. Wow. Yeah. And each time he told the story, he made it sound like it was all the girls' faults. So it was just so sick and twisted. Now, they went through all the dig sites, all the markings, and only 12 of the 17, 17 bodies have been found. But police and a lot of people in Alaska believe that there's way more than 17. Mm. Especially because you're talking about a dude who only confesses when there's evidence. Got so it. like he confessed to the bodies that were there, and then he confessed to the map, and then now he's like, no, that's it. And everyone's uh. like, we don't believe you. And so he decided to plead guilty. Now, in return for pleading guilty, he would get something very interesting. He was actually charged with four murders and the assault and kidnapping of Cindy Paulson. Mm -hmm. And in return of pleading guilty for that, he would get federal prison instead of state prison for the rest of his life and no publicity in the press. The heck? That's why there's... I think that's why also he's not as well known. How do you control that so like it means like not releasing most of the interrogation tapes like things that the police themselves can control that is so weird yeah because he said literally in quotes he wants to do anything to minimize the hurt it'll cause his family in any way yeah that's what i thought too there's no other reason yeah yeah huh and so he pled guilty and he was sentenced to 461 years plus life in prison <laughs> and that was just for the four murders and the assault and kidnapping the rest will never be charged and in 2014 he died at the age of 74 of natural causes in prison what does he look like i, I would like to he honestly is not scary at all i'm not gonna say he's handsome because i don't think he is but one might think he could be hmm. interesting wow that's not what i was expecting right look he looks very normal he looks like an accountant yes yes, yes. like there's no way to describe he's a it fucking but accountant with those glasses he, yeah he looks like an accountant he yeah i mean he's really well known in alaska but yeah so that's the real hunger game story i mean someone who literally hunted for sport but hunted humans and i can't believe it happened recently yeah. You know, I mean, he recently passed away in 2014. It, ju- it just sounds like something that happened in like the ancient days where like maybe everyone was so bored and maybe he had syphilis. So he went a little cuckoo, mm-hmm. you know, and then he was like, I'm gonna do this. But no, it just brings to question. It is a thing. And I also think it's something that we as humans are so intrigued by, because even if you look at things like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein or the Bohemian Grove, it's like a secret society where they, in the woods, yeah, dead ass. Apparently, George W. Bush was part of it. We don't know what they do there. Allegedly, it's just a gathering for higher up politicians and executives to just have a nice time in the woods, like a Girl Scouts, but like CEO Scouts, right? Um, but there's like rumors that they will literally grab people and like hunt them. 
I know. I mean, the rumors are a little crazy. You know, it, it depends on what time of day it is. Like, if you're talking 11 a.m., I'm going to be like, you're crazy for believing in those conspiracies. But if you're talking 1 a.m., I'm like, so did you hear <laughs> what they were doing in those woods? It's crazy. So I don't know. There is a fascination with hunting other humans like the perch. Let me know. What are your thoughts on this case? How do you feel about something like this? To you, is this more scary than a serial killer who, you know, like the other ones that we've killed about that just like want to go into your house and kill you? Is this more twisted? Let me know. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. And I'll see you guys next week for Spooktober again. Dun dun.